to Faith, Love, and Therapy, a podcast to inspire and to encourage. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson, and I'm a clinical social worker in the field of mental health, working in the field of mental health for the last 10 years. I believe this podcast is God-inspired and God-led. Thank you for joining me as we peel back the layers of mental health and our faith. This particular podcast, I decided to talk about a topic that I hear probably the most uh, in therapy, no matter what the symptoms are, no matter what the diagnosis is when clients come in, as we peel back what's going on in their life, it always boils down to some experiences or at least one major experience of an issue of rejection. So we're going to talk a little bit about that topic of rejection today and how we can move through that in a way that um, we're able to heal from things in the past, but also understand what we need to understand from our experiences of rejection. So like I said, it's probably one of the most consistent issues that comes up in session. It's incredibly common and I don't think you will meet a person who has never experienced an issue with rejection. It could be a rejection from family, it could be you know, in the form of being bullied when they were young, could be rejection within relationships, could also be rejection from jobs, their dream career. There are just so many issues and areas that we've re experienced rejection in that we continue to hold on to that, that issue. And it manifests in several areas of our lives. So I often wonder, why does rejection seem to have such a lasting impact on our emotional well-being? And so just scientifically, if we take a moment to in include how the brain functions, when scientists have looked at an MRI, um, the same area of our brain that's activated when we experience physical pain is activated when we experience a rejection. That same area, when we have an emotional rejection, is just like we have experienced a physical pain. Our brain registers it in a way that it's literally the same pain as being hit, being uh, hurt in a way that um, is outside of our control. So specifically, emotional pain reads just like physical pain in our brain. So it's something that it lasts, it sticks with us, we don't forget. Um, so when we peel back more emotional issues connected to this particular topic, a lot of times you'll see that there is a big connection to having an issue with people pleasing. So we typically you know, have this human desire to uh, be accepted, to, be, to belong. And so we struggle with hearing something that opposes who we are or opposes uh, things that we can't change. Sometimes it's, it affects how we identify ourselves. Because we are so consumed by what people say and seeking that validation from others, we struggle to really know who we are. I can't tell you how many times in therapy um, I've asked clients who they are outside of the role of mother, outside of the role of father, outside of the role of you know, their particular job title. And it's hard for them to really describe themselves outside a specific role. It's hard for them to tell me who they are outside of what they do. Because we've been so conditioned to validate our experiences by what we achieve and what we do, we struggle just to see our value outside of what we achieve. So there is this constant uh, desire to push, 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 so that we can seem as though we are um, we are important so that we can feel like we have value so that other people can say, look at what a great job you do. Look at how you know amazing you are. And that tends to feed 
uh, that part of us, that ego, that part of us that just desires to have um, someone tell us that we are okay and someone that tell us that we are something special. So that is a ongoing issue. And, and I think for most of us, um, if we really were to uh, be honest with ourselves, we at some point can say that we have struggled with that particular issue. We have struggled with wanting someone to tell us um, that our idea is a great idea or that our plan you know, to launch this business is, you know, they, they're saying, yeah, that's a really great idea. Whereas if we really sit with it, we are seeking validation from people rather than really sitting with ourselves and what we're supposed to be doing and what our calling is. And so we place our identity, we place our value in the hands of people in our lives. And so we're gonna struggle at some point with feeling like we're gonna be rejected because we're always gonna run into someone who's like, mm, I don't think that's a good idea. Or you really think you could do that? And so those, those small brief moments of hearing someone doubt us shifts in our brain and makes us think like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can't, or they don't think I'm good enough to do that. And so that issue of rejection begins to grow, and we tend to doubt ourselves. And so our identity uh, is often shifted. We, we start to change ourselves. We start to make um, accommodations for the opinions of other people, and we begin to lose ourselves in the process. Another issue is that you know, with rejection, it tends to be things that are very personal. So sometimes, especially in the issue of bullying or being teased when we were growing up, most of the time they're things that we can't change. So it's a, someone is literally saying negative things about, you know, how we look, about how we talk, about how we walk, you know, our, our athletic ability, our inability to be athletic, all of these things <clears throat> people are actually making comments about and making us feel bad for who we are. And so there are things that we can't change. And as I said before, we all have the desire to be accepted. We have the de desire to belong. And so when we feel that we are outside of the level of acceptance, we are outside of um, what people desire, that tends to make us feel insecure. That tends to make us doubt, again, our identity and who we should be. And we begin to do the shifting. We begin to do the, you know, uh, becoming who people think we should become. Another major issue connected to rejection is the fear of failure. So many times in session, if I continue to probe a client, continue to ask them questions to get to what their fear it really is, I'd say probably more than 50% in some way is going to say failure, fearing that they will fail in a particular area. So fear of rejection is tied to fear of failure, it's tied to an anxiety, and we really need to be aware of the fact that we are so concerned with not meeting the mark. We are so concerned with not being validated. We are so concerned with not um, with making mistakes that we we begin to turn ourselves into things that are not authentically us. And that's where things like depression set in, and definitely where anxiety is fed. Um, and so when we become when we realize that when we have freedom from opinions and freedom from the expectations of others, sometimes um, it may come after a depressive episode or it may come after a mental health crisis where we begin to, to struggle with our worth, how worthless we feel or sometimes we develop this disinterest in, in being around others and we don't have this motivation and we stop caring. But if we really sat with some of these symptoms that we have in those moments, that is a way to identify freedom 
from opinions and freedom from expectation. When we're no longer interested in pleasing others, when we're lacking motivation, sometimes we stop caring about what people are saying. And yes, this can go way left and we can stop caring about, you know, our hygiene. We can stop caring about living. Um, but I'm talking about that, that initial moment in a depressive episode where we're just like, I'm done. I'm done with trying to please everybody. I'm done with, you know, I can't do it. When we can get to the place of really acknowledging our humanness, our inability to please everybody, our inability to make everything okay, there is power in that moment. And we can begin to live a life where we are not afraid to fail. And I say this because when we are not thinking about what other people are going to say or how people respond, we make we, we will take chances that we wouldn't take before because we're no longer trying to lead a life where we are trying to avoid failure. When we are often when we are consumed with trying to avoid failure, we become controlling. We become compulsive. We start overanalyzing everything. We start thinking about the worst case scenario first and then we get stuck there because we are so consumed about how this will affect uh, what people see and what people hear and what people will say. Yes, are there things that we could do that could be, you know, uh, significantly, that can significantly mess up our path? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but when we think about in context, when we really sit down and, and think about the small failures or the small uh, difficulties that we're having and really allow ourselves to work through them, most of the time, nobody's going to die. We're not going to lose everything. We are just going to, we're just trying to avoid being embarrassed, trying to ab avoid failing. So what if that crisis in our mind is trying to free us? What if it's trying to free us so that we um, are not so focused on making a mistake? We're not so focused on what people are going to say if we make this mistake. Even with, when we think about the word of God, there are so many times, I mean, I feel like that's one of the rejection is, is something seen, it's woven through the scriptures. And if we think of most of the stories, most of the major stories that we can remember, there's a form of rejection with every battle that someone has gone through. There's a form of uh, disbelief or there's a form someone is telling us that we're not good enough. Or, you know, in these stories, someone is telling the individual that they can't do something. Um, and, but when we remind, when we read the word, we are reminded what God is saying to us. The word is reminding us that all things work together for the good. That includes the mistakes. That's just not good things work for the good. That is not what the word says. It says all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So if we identify the fact that even our mistakes are a compass, that's what I like to remind people of. Think of a compass. Think of GPS. A mistake is your GPS. It is telling you mm, we might need to go right. We need to make some adjustments. You need to make a U-turn. You need to change something. It's not telling you that you are um, that you are bad, that you have messed up, that you are no good. It's just telling you to make an adjustment in your presentation, an adjustment in your decision, adjustment in, adjustment in the way that you're going. So look at, look at mistakes, look at failure as a GPS rather than something that defines who you are. There is um, so much, there are so many mistakes that we make that we think are we're not going to be able to recover from. But making a mistake is literally the hallmark of a human experience. Our human experience is defined by the mistakes that we make and the successes that we have. Most people that are successful can never say they never failed. 
If they are extremely successful, they have had tons of failures and they have used those failures as some would call fuel, some would call direction, some would call protection, but understanding what, what rejection really is. And, you know, I, I know this from experience. I know this from experiencing rejection in several different ways and in some seasons of my life being consumed with that particular thought of like why did I why did I do this like why did I make this choice but understanding that I began to ask the right questions after experiencing rejection when you experience a rejection it is the time to start asking yourself questions what was this failure what is what was this rejection what was this mistake trying to tell me Rejection is inevitable. So if we don't take the opportunity to learn from it, we're wasting that that life lesson. There is uh, so much power in beginning to explore what your experience has taught you or is trying to teach you. Some of us don't want to open ourselves up to that lesson, but it's trying to teach you something. Uh, When we understand that making that mistake begins to teach us how to walk in freedom, how to walk in the fact that we can trust that if we make a mistake, we can still give, we can still get back up. It also gives yourself permission to create. Like we are literally co-creators with God and he wants to work with us to create something. Uh, and if we're so focused on how it will fail first, that we're so focused on avoiding the mistakes, then we are really not giving God the freedom to move and to work through us. And I can say that even in, in relationship to this particular podcast or launching this podcast, I thought for several years of how this would not work, of how I would sound, or what whether or not people would listen. And at some point, you have to get to the space of really deciding that it doesn't matter. That if you have given, been given an assignment or you have been directed to do something, it's for a purpose. Even if two people listen, that's two people that God wanted to hear this particular message. So understanding that when we are consumed by how rejection or how failure or how mistakes will impact us or impact other people, we don't give God freedom to do what he needs to do. We become so self-consumed that we are not looking at the bigger picture. So what am I saying? Rejection is inevitable. We will all experience it. Again, we will see, you know, even in the story of Christ, Christ was rejected over and over. I mean, he was not accepted among people who were supposed to be his kin. He was not accepted by most people in the Bible. And so if we don't learn anything else, we should see that rejection is something that God uses. So in this season, when we're experiencing failures and we're experiencing rejection and we're experiencing challenges, what are some of the questions that we need to be asking ourselves? Always, we should always be looking for a reason or a meaning. I would encourage you to ask yourself, what was the meaning of the rejection, the failure, the mistake? Knowing that God uses that rejection to get our attention. Ask yourself, what is the lesson? Also in the experience, ask yourself, how did you get here? You know, out situations with failed relationships. Sometimes we have to look at a failed relationship and say, how did I get here? What happened? And when we really take the time to look at what happened and really explore, did I get into this relationship out of fear? Did I get into this relationship too quickly? Did I ask God about this particular relationship? Most of us, I'm not going to say most, I'll say many of us think we know what we're doing. 
And so, and if we really take into consideration how many times we've messed up, we don't know everything. We don't know all of the steps. We, we need to understand that our failure sometimes is God saying, listen, I need you to pay attention to me. Stop trying to move in your own timing. Stop trying to do things on your own that you don't know how to do. There are some things I want to show you about yourself before you connect with somebody else. You know, there are so many things that we need to sit with God and let him show us and, and allow him to minister to us. So asking the question, how did I get here? You know, it's not always something negative. Sometimes it's like God needed to show you your strength. He needed to show you that you are an overcomer. He needed, he allowed some things because he knew that you would be able to minister to the people that come after that go through the same thing that you go through. So making sure that you know how you got in this particular situation, how you, what this, what this failure is trying to teach you. Also asking yourself, what do I need? So a lot of times we experience a rejection and we have not really sat with what we are, what we have rejected ourselves about. And that, that comes into the discussion of self-esteem and self-worth. There are many people that we struggle with that self-esteem and self-worth. And we hear it all the time. People are like self-care, love yourself. But that is a deep issue that's not just, and I think I've said before in podcasts before, it's not just bubble baths and reading books. Like that's self-care is really getting to what you need, what you need emotionally, what you need physically, what you need spiritually. We are a, you know, we are mind, body, and spirit. And we need to be able to assess what we need in every area. We need to assess who uh, we belong to and what God wants us to do, what God wants us to know, who God is. That goes back to the identity piece and seeking validation. We often seek validation when we are lacking clarity about who we are. And no one can tell you who you are better than the one that created you. So if we're not clear, if we're not understanding what God is saying about who we are, we can we put ourselves uh, at the mercies of the world. We put ourselves at the mercy of the people that are in our lives. We put ourselves at the mercy of society to tell us who we should be. And so we often get lost. We often get lost and we get to a place of often wanting, always wanting something, always seeking something from external sources. And at some point we have to realize that internally there are some things we have to give to ourselves. We have to experience love and know what self-love is. We have to nurture ourselves in a way in order to nurture other people. So that the next question would be, what does God say about me? What is he saying about my situation? Who does he say that I am? That is something that we need to know. There are so many things, so many words, so many, so many uh, phrases within the Bible that God talks about his children in such a loving manner. And if we're not repeating that, if we're not understanding that that's who he says that we are, then again, we are taking on the idea of what the world says about us rather than who he says that we are. Also ask yourself, who are you seeking validation from? Who is it that you're really trying to please? You know, whose voice is that you're, that you're trying to um, that you're trying to satisfy? You know, whose rejection are you the most concerned about? That's something to explore too. And now be honest about whose voice is louder than the one that created you, because somewhere there may be one voice or several voices that are louder than the one that created you. And we have to know his voice better than we know anybody else's voice. 
And we can only know that through reading his word. I know oftentimes people will say, oh, I heard God say, and I heard God say, and that's, that, that is true. God does speak in different ways, but he speaks clearly through his word. And so not necessarily waiting for an audible response for God to sit down and say, I love you. You are this, you are that, but to know what his word says, because that is how he speaks to his children. So understanding who God says you are really gives you power to overcome who others say that you are and who others are trying to say that you're not. So when rejection comes, you can respond to rejection with who God says that you are, and you can respond to rejection with a sense of grace and a sense of power and a sense of comfort that you know that it's still going to work out in spite of anything that anyone else is saying or any rejection that you're experiencing. Also with rejection and and with accepting that you will experience some rejection, there's freedom with having, you know, no longer having a a tolerance for self-criticism. That's a big part. When you are no longer listening to other people, those voices get quiet. But then your voice may take on that of of those who criticized you in the past. And you have to take a position of no longer allowing yourself to criticize your own ideas or your own presentation or how you look, how you feel, what you say, what you're doing. Your self-talk is incredibly important. Understanding your self-worth is incredibly important. And developing healthy connections. You know, as I said before, we all have that desire to belong. And it's not wrong to be a part of a community, but you want to be a part of people that are supportive. You want to be a part of people that are lifting you up. But you also want to be a part of people that will tell you when you're wrong and that will help you and guide you through this particular through these particular journeys. So rejection is something that we cannot avoid. Rejection is something that we will always experience, but how it hits us can change if we understand the power of the of the direction and of the protection that comes with rejection. We understand who God says that we are. We are more focused on where we're going than what people are saying we can't have. We're mo- more focused on who God says that we are than who others say that we are. And the voices begin to get quiet and his voice is the loudest one. His voice is the one that guides you each day. His voice is the one that covers you. His voice is the one that leads you. And that is what we desire as his children. So understand that rejection is not something that will overtake us. It is something that we will feel and it is something that will hurt, but is not something that will kill us. Continue to read your word and understand who God says that you are. Continue to know that any rejection is just a compass to lead you in the right direction. Know that he loves you and that he cares about you and that he always uses what we think is bad for good. I hope to hear from you all. Thank you for joining me today on Faith, Love, and Therapy. You can contact us at faithlovetherapy@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you and have a great day.